السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد إن شاء الله joining you from Toledo Ohio of course the Toledo that was synonymous with civilization of our Akabir uh, was Tulaytila, the sacred heart of Andalusia, uh, which was treacherously betrayed by Alfonso VI, who was given safe haven there in exchange for a promise that he would never attack it, which he broke. Um, that's much more dramatic than this Toledo, which is, I guess, known for Trapper from MASH. Uh, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, do best by the Ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we continue with uh, Sayyidina uh, with the, with the Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's third year in Medina Munawwara. Um, it's the year that Sayyidina Uthman bin Madhun, who was one of the first uh, and most pious uh, of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's companions from the Muhajirin, he was one of the first to become Muslim, and he was someone who was from the definitely from the the that first rank of believers. Uh, he was the first companion of the Messenger of Allah Ta'ala who was buried in the Baqi'ah, the Baqi'ah of Gharqad, which is the um, the graveyard uh, adjacent to the Masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq that we should be buried there uh, and be with the ones that we love. Uh, he was the first of the Muhajirin that made Hijrah in the path of Allah Ta'ala to pass away. Allah Ta'ala be pleased with him. And this was also the year that Sayyidina Hussain, sorry, Sayyidina Al-Hasan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was born uh, in the month of Ramadan of this third year of Hijrah. This is the month in, or the year in which the Battle of Uhud took place. Uhud is a mountain at some uh, small distance, walking distance uh, from uh, Makkah Mukarramah, sorry, from Medina Munawwara. Uh, and 700 Muslims participated in this battle. The number of kuffar were 3,000. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, upon reaching the proximity of the Mount Uhud outside of Medina with his companions, set out the battle formation of his men. He placed 50 archers under the command of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Jubair behind the army to guard a vulnerable point. They were left at the hill of Dirrah to prevent the enemy from making an attack from the year from the rear. The Messenger of Allah issued strict instructions to this group to remain at their post regardless of the success or defeat of the main body of the army. The Muslims achieved victory and the Kuffar fled in disarray in all directions. The Muslims then started to collect the spoils of war. The archers guarding the rear thought that their instruction to guard the rear was only while the battle was in progress. And now that command ha- had terminated with the termination of the battle and a, with a clear victory for the Muslims. There was no need to remain there now, or so they thought. Although their emir, their commander, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Jubair, may Allah ta'ala be pleased with him, vehemently forbade them from abandoning their post, they disobeyed him. Only the emir and ten of his archers uh, stayed at the post. The danger which the Messenger of Allah وسلم, had foreseen uh, in an unguarded rear thus materialized. Khalid bin Walid, who was not yet a Muslim, was swift to take advantage of the unguarded mountain pass. Taking, taking the army, uh, and specifically the cavalry, he made a sudden attack on the Muslims from this point. The consequence uh, of this attack, swift attack, 
was that 70 uh, Sahaba radiallahu anhum were martyred amongst whom was Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu anhu, the, the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the brother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa father. The aim of the kuffar was to attack the very person of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In pursuit of this aim, Utbah bin Abi Waqas stuck struck the Prophet with a stone, breaking a tooth and wounding his lower lip. Ibn Qumayya made a severe attack with his sword on the most noble Prophet as a result of which he fell into a deep ditch with his Mubarak face covered with blood. The profuse bleeding weakened him greatly. Sayyidina Ali Karamallahu Wajhahu repeatedly washed his face, but the flow of blood did not stop. It said that Sayyidina Fatima radiallahu anha burnt a piece of straw mat and filled the wound with the ashes to stem the flow of blood. The sudden attack had broken the ranks of the Muslims who were forced to scatter in disarray. The senior Sahaba, such as Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, Sayyidina Talha radiallahu anhum, they had remained firm in their places fighting the kuffar's attack. Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu anhu loudly called the scattered Sahaba radiallahu anhum after regrouping the Sahaba radiallahu anhum valiantly faced the kuffar in battle. The ultimate result of the ensuing intense fighting was the defeat of the kuffar who were then driven away. So in terms of a, a battle, uh, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum whose force was overwhelmed by the kuffar they, they won the battle in the sense that the, the intention of the kuffar, which was to sack Medina Munawwara, um, they, they, they drove them away from it. Um, but it was at a very bitter price, the loss of Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu anhu, who was, who was martyred, and Hazrat Shaykh will mention that in a second, and the severe and intense attack on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah Ta'ala, uh, Allah Ta'ala, uh, Give the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam jazallahu anna Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ma huwa ahluh. Allah ta'ala give him the reward that he's, he's worthy of. Uh, that he took all of this uh, pain and suffering and grief uh, for the sake of our guidance. Um, this is another lesson about not like storybook, Camelot, hippie camp type Sufism, but like very real Sufism. That it started with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that uh, he literally, his face, uh, Mubarak face was struck and his uh, Mubarak tooth was was pulled out. It said that Sayyidina Uwais al-Qarni, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who used to commune with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the dream state. He wasn't a Sahabi in the sense that he never met the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the waking state, but he was his contemporary. And uh, uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa ordered him uh, through the dream medium to stay with his aged mother who had no one else to take care of her rather than to come to meet with him. It said that after Sayyidina Uwais al-Qarni would see the Prophet sallallahu in his dreams, he saw that the Rasul sallallahu had lost one of his uh, molar teeth because of the battle of Uhud. And so when he woke up, he, 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 he broke his molar tooth out. And uh, uh, the thought came to him that he didn't know which side it was from. So he broke the same molar from both sides. Obviously, those are, you know, kids don't try this at home type of stuff. 
he did it out of genuine love and uh, 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 connection with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, for us, you know, it's sufficient that we we pray our sunnahs before or after zuhur uh, uh, for us to have some sort of connection. If we were to do it, it would be pretense. Those people, they did it out of genuine feeling. But the point is that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you know. You know, he, imagine that. Like, is like we get down, we get depressed because of little things, right? Imagine, forget about all the other stuff. Just imagine losing your molar tooth that you're never going to be able to chew your food properly on that side of your mouth again. Um, these are the type of everyday things that we think that we're too good to go through. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself made these sacrifices, and, and they're the least of, of of the sacrifices. And sometimes making little sacrifices hurt more because they remind you of your own insignificance. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam never thought himself to be anything, uh, so so he wasn't bothered by these things, even though he's the one he never thought himself to be anything. Allah has witnessed that to us, he's everything. Very senior Sahaba radiallahu anhum were martyred in this battle. Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu anhu fell at the hands of the Habashi slave Wahshi who struck him with his uh, with his lance. Uh, Sayyidina Hamza radiallahu anhu took two or three steps forward and then he fell. Allah Ta'ala be pleased with all of them. The news of the progress of the battle's events reached Medina Munawwara. Women and old men became fearful. A sense of fear had gripped everyone in Medina. Everyone was anxiously awaiting news of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and his companions. The noble Prophet وسلم, finally entered Medina on the 15th of Shawwal in its third year. In sheer happiness to see the Prophet وسلم, safe, they forgot about their grief and their martyred ones, although those who had fallen were their own brothers and husbands and young sons. And this is the 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 Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam's ghayra, his his honor and his jealous protection of the honor of Islam, that when they had retreated to some distance uh, uh, up on the mountain, uh, and the kuffar and the mushrikeen had slackened in their pursuit, Abu Sufyan, who would not accept Islam until many years later. He uh, uh, boasted in the name of their idols that they had been avenged and that the day of Uhud is there in exchange for the day of Badr. <laughs> and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, not being able to stomach this show of stupidity and jahiliyyah from, from, from him, he, uh, he ordered Sayyidina Umar عنه, to give him a response. <laughs> and he said to him, uh, he said to him that uh, how could this be uh, an even retribution when our dead are in Jannah and your dead are in the hellfire. <laughs> and uh, 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 the honor of Islam was satisfied. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, although he was himself severely wounded, when he made it back to Medina Munawwara, he ordered all of the companions to uh, prepare themselves the next day to go out and battle again. And they uh, came out to meet the army of the mushrikeen who at the sight of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and his Mubarak companions once again ready to give them battle. They turned tail and, and, and fled. And uh, not only did they flee, they dropped a great number of their supplies 
which were counted as ghanima for the Muslims uh, in their fear of engaging them in battle once more. So, if you want to see uh, uh, if you want to see a model of 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 heart and of courage and of not giving up when you're down, uh, that that's what makes the awliya of Allah, the awliya of Allah Taala, look at the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Because anyone else who did it after him only did it because they saw it from him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In the fourth year, Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhu was born. The heart-rending episode of the Bi'r Ma'una, uh, in which 70 Sahaba radiallahu anhum, all of whom were father of Qur'an, were martyred, occurred in this year. Only Sayyidina Umar bin Umayyah radiallahu anhu escaped. <coughs> the details of this tragic event are narrated below. Amir bin Malik, a chieftain of Najd, came to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, professing his love for Islam. He expressed his desire to embrace Islam but added that he feared his people. He requested that a few intelligent Sahaba عنهم, accompany him uh, to his people. The purpose was for the Sahaba عنهم, to, to propagate the deen amongst their people. Amr bin Malik assured that he would be responsible for the safety of those companions. Rasulullah sent a group of 70 companions under the leadership of uh, Sayyidina Munzir bin Amr radiallahu anhu <laughs> for the purpose outlined by Amr, the Najdi chieftain. He also sent a letter in which the chiefs of Najd were invited to accept Islam. Najd is the central highland of, uh, uh, of, of the Arabian Peninsula. The group halted at a place between Mecca and Asfan. This place was known as Bi'r Ma'una. Uh, uh, Sayyidina Hiram bin Malhan uh, together with two companions went uh, ahead to deliver the Messenger of Allah وسلم, letter to Amr bin, bin, bin Tufail. Uh, when they came close to their destination, Sayyidina Hiram instructed the two companions to wait while he went on a reconnoitering mission. He said that if he was granted uh, a safe passage, the two should also come. If he wasn't granted a safe passage, they should return. He added that instead of all three of them being slain, the better option was uh, for only him to be killed. And this is part of the heroic chivalric, uh, chivalric nature of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum that they took hardship on themselves and preferred that hardship and, and tragedy should strike them rather than their brothers. Upon reaching the settlement, Sayyidina Hiram radiallahu anhu announced, I am the envoy of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If I am granted safe passage, I will deliver his message. Before he could say anything further, a mushrik attacked him from behind, plunging his spear into Sayyidina Hiram, may Allah ta'ala be pleased with him, who collapsed and died after managing to say, Fuzdu wa rabbil Ka'bah, I have been victorious, I swear, by the Lord of the Ka'bah. The kuffar then turned their attention to the other members of the party of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. They made a sudden attack and martyred all the companions in the party. Amongst the slain companions was Sayyidina Amr, Amr bin Fuhaira, who had lived with the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam on the occasion of his hijrah. I'm not exactly sure what this is a reference to. After he was martyred, he was conferred with the honor of the malaika, the angels taking his body to the heavens. <laughs> when the news of this tragedy reached the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he was overwhelmed with grief. Although it was his noble habit to refrain from invoking curses, nevertheless in the Fajr prayer, he for 21 days uh, uh, said the 
Qunut Nazila, which is uh, 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 the Qunut that he said in the uh, uh, occasion of desperation, and he, he invoked the curse of Allah Taala on these kuffar. This is a, uh, uh, I mean, this is also important that the Prophet ﷺ was well within his right to do so, especially given the treacherous nature of the the the, the killing of his companions, and those were the Qurra. Imagine amongst a qawm of people who are illiterate, that 70 people who are hafad al-Qur'an, that's a really big deal, that all of them should be massacred at once, uh, despite having been invited by their chieftain rather than being allowed to go back home. Uh, this was uh, this was a, an enormity. Um, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he's a human being, and uh, uh, he's a human being, and the thing that makes him so amazing is that despite being a human being, he was... Uh, he was the amazing one that he was. If it was an angel, a person could say that that's just because they're an angel. Rasulullah wasallam, despite having co- having to cope with all of the aspects of humanity, he he managed to give a conduct that was better than that of the angels. Rasulullah wasallam, invoked Allah's curse against those who treacherously killed those people. Uh, you, Ibn Wahab, the student of Malik and the great muhaddith uh, and faqih, he narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after several days of, of, of invoking God's curse on those people, that the angel Jibreel alayhi salam came to him and said, Inna Allah lam, lam yursilka la'anan wa la sababan wa innama arsalaka rahmatan. That Allah ta'ala didn't send you to uh, curse people or to uh, uh, say ill about people. And not to invoke the curses of Allah Ta'ala on people, nor to say ill about people. Rather, He sent you as a mercy. And Allah Ta'ala then revealed to the Prophet ﷺ through the Sayyidina Jibreel ﷺ, the words of the Qunut, the words of the Qunut that we're familiar with. Allahumma inna nasta'inuka wa nasta'ghfiruka ila akhir al-kalam. And uh, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ immediately and obediently uh, uh, stopped making du'a against those people, and uh, uh, and and instead he uh, he he started to read these uh, beautiful words of the uh, the the du'a of qunut that's mustahsan that we that are the preferred words of the qunut that we read every day in the salatul fajr. The expulsion of Banu Nadir also took place uh, in this year. Uh, Banu Nadir was a, a, a Jewish tribe that lived in Medina and they employed deception to engage in a conspiracy. It was their treachery that led through to this incident. They had seated the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and his close companions Abu Bakr, Omar and Ali uh, uh, in a place uh, behind a wall and then they uh, plotted to kill them by, by dropping large rocks on them from the height of the wall. Rasulullah was informed of their treacherous design uh, by means of revelation, hence they moved away. In view of their violation of the treaty pledge, the Messenger of Allah dispatched an ultimatum to them, either to embrace Islam or to leave Medina. However, uh, relying on the uh, uh, promised aid of Abdullah bin Ubay and the other munafiqeen, they made preparation uh, for war. However, none of these hypocrites were able to come to their aid. So this is an issue that there were there were several 
factions of Jews in Medina Munawwara, and they had made different alliances with different factions from amongst the, the Arabs uh, who, who lived there. And so uh, Abdullah bin Ubay, who was the Ra'isul Munafiqeen, who was the emir of those people who out, outwardly professed faith, uh, but inwardly harbored resentment for Islam, um, the 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 Banu Nadir, uh, they they felt like they could count on them in order to save them and give them some sort of political, some sort of political and tribal cover. Uh, in Rabil Awwal of the fourth year, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam besieged Banu Nadir, uh, and the operation was supervised by the Messenger of Allah for six days. The orchards and properties of Banu Nadir were raised by fire. Finally, when they sued for peace, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam granted it to them. They were allowed to take with them as much uh, of their wealth and belonging as they belongings as they could carry. They were, however, not permitted to take any weapons with them. While they were departing, they demolished their homes to render them uninhabitable for the Muslims. They carried with them even the doors and other timber taken from their buildings, and they settled in uh, the oasis of Khaybar to the north. This fourth year of uh, of Hijra was also the year in which the prohibition of liquor was revealed uh, exactly during the siege. During the month of Shawwal in this year, Sayyidah Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha, the Umm al-Mu'mineen, came into the marriage of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And during this year, uh, uh, the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's wife, the Umm al-Mu'mineen, Zainab bint Khuzayma, died after a marriage lasting eight months. In the fifth year of the noble hijrah of the Prophet wasallam, the battle of Dhatul Riqa' took place in Muharram. In this battle, the Sahaba عنهم, on account of their poverty were barefoot and without riding animals. Their feet became swollen and wounded. For some relief, the Sahaba عنهم, tied cloth around their feet. It's for this reason the battle was known as the Battle of Dhatul Riqa' or the Battle uh, of of, of, of rags and cloth pieces. On the return from this battle, the Sahaba camped in a wilderness at midday. In order to gain some rest, uh, uh, they spread out. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, also rested under a cactus tree. He hung his sword on a tree. Suddenly his eyes opened uh, uh, and he saw a kafir with a drawn sword standing over him who said, Muhammad, tell me who can now save your life? Maintaining his full composure and confidence, he replied, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah will save me. As the Kafir heard these word, words, his sword dropped from his hand. The most noble Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, picked up the sword very calmly and said, Now who will save you? The Kafir replied, No one. The Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, Learn mercy from me. He then lowered the sword, and the effect of the attitude of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, induced this Kafir to accept Islam. Other than a moving account of the mercy of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, a lesson we can take from this is that if your iman is perfect in Allah Ta'ala, uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will not give you up uh, to, to anybody. If your iman in Allah Ta'ala is perfect and your trust in Him is perfect, Allah Ta'ala will never let you down. Salatul Khawf was ordained in this fifth year of Hijrah. Salatul Khawf is... Uh, a special uh, form of the prayer that the Muslims do when faced with an enemy that they cannot uh, uh, be heedless of. Uh, so the band or the army of the Muslims will 
have an imam and they'll form into two groups. The imam will say takbir and start the prayer with the first group and they'll finish the first rak'ah. And when uh, uh, the imam stands up from the first rak'ah, he'll remain standing in prayer. And the first group will finish their prayer behind him and then they'll salam out and then the, they'll take, they'll, once they're done with their prayer, uh, while the imam is still standing and waiting, um, they will go and take their positions for battle. And then the second group will takbir into the, into the prayer. And uh, uh, when the imam hears them uh, uh, all takbir in, then he'll continue the second rak'ah. And uh, then when he's done, he'll say salam. And uh, uh, he'll be done. And then they'll make up the first rak'ah that they missed. Um, and this must have been a, 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 a very awe-inspiring sight to see the Messenger of Allah and his companions, radiallahu anhum, that they didn't leave the Salat uh, uh, even in the most dangerous of, of times. And in fact, it was a sign of their honor and their sharaf and their izzah, their might in front of the creation of Allah Ta'ala, that they were able to perform the Salat in such a way. A famous anecdote of this year was the Messenger of Allah وسلم, having fallen from uh, his horse and injuring himself. Uh, uh, he had to stay for five days at, at a stop at his route because of that injury, uh, which, uh, which is, uh, uh, again, a reminder that the Rasulullah things that happen to people every day that can get really frustrating and a person wonders why me. They happened to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi and he took him in stride. In fact, uh, while the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi was injured, uh, you know, a number of things happened. He, he led the prayer sitting, which obviously is only special for him. Uh, after him, uh, uh, when he was praying sitting, everyone would pray sitting behind him sallallahu alayhi And then after him sallallahu alayhi wa and now it's better to give the imamah to somebody who's standing. And if someone who prays sitting, uh, prays sitting, then those behind him do not do so. But uh, this is this is uh, something that happened to Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And it, it, there's no mention of him saying, why me? Or if I'm the Messenger of Allah, why, why do I have to go through these things? We think that these things are dragging us back and pulling us behind. But they're not. Uh, in fact, it's uh, something that... Uh, Hazrat Sheikh mentioned, I don't know, maybe we mentioned it in the majlis last year. He mentioned that Sayyidina Al-Hasan Al-Basri radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when he died, he, when he was dying, uh, one of, some of the last words he said before dying was, what sin, what sin? And uh, uh, one of those who were present at that, that occasion, uh, they saw him uh, in a dream later on. And uh, uh, they asked him, why were you saying that? You know, why were you saying what sin, what sin? You know, as one of the last things that you said before you passed away. And he said that I heard the angel of death entering into the room. And he said, he said, give him more difficulty. He still has one sin left yet to be forgiven. Meaning what? That the angel of death was keen not to take his soul until his, uh, his entire account was f- filled, with, uh, filled with only good deeds and free from any blemish. And uh, when... Sayyidina al-Hasan al-Basri heard the angel of death saying one sin. He said, what sin, what sin? Like he had, like he, he, as if he had taken account for his sins and he was surprised that there was anything left. Uh, um, and so, you know, the people, the Ahlullah, they see these things. Because when we meet Allah Ta'ala, it's not like a person's going to worry about how much their house was, you know, worth and, you know, how much equity they had in their home or in their business or any of these things that we worry about. So when we have like setbacks in our 
in our in our lives we're like man i have so many things to do why is this happening to me um, whereas Allah Ta'ala, the person who has Iman, Allah has love for them and He's taking care of His equity not for the for this world but for the hereafter. And imagine the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whose rank is above all ranks like the crown sits on the head of the king. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam doesn't even have sins to reckon for. All of these things are just taraqi, they're just complete like progress in spiritual rank from one uh, maqam to another maqam. Uh, and from one station to another station, and uh, he just took them in stride. You know, he didn't he didn't make a big deal out of them one way or the other. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give us from that tranquility and from that peace. Allah give us from that uh, from that from that example that we can also ourselves live like a normal life and take things in stride and understand them. I say this. I ask Allah Taala with great sincerity for for this for this quality because I'm the one who freaks out the most when something. Uh, unexpected or, or unwanted happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that we should live like the simple and natural life like the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam lived and uh, uh, that we, we benefit from everything Allah sends us in the way of khair. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.